This is the Champions of Print podcast series, recognizing Canadian companies and individuals that have helped fight COVID-19. Champions of Print is sponsored by Spicers. Spicers is a leading distributor of printing papers, specialty products, graphic solutions, sign and display media and equipment, and industrial packaging supplies. Partnering with trusted global manufacturers, Spicers sources, stocks, markets, and distributes a diverse range of quality products. Today, I'm joined by Chris Pereira, president of C17 Media Inc. During the pandemic, C17 Media produced 100,000 face shields, donating 4,000 to local hospitals, as well as other personal protective equipment, or PPE, including sneeze guards. The company displayed innovation by retooling its ESCO cutting table in order to produce the PPE. Chris, thank you for joining me today and congratulations on winning a Champions of Print Award. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be on the podcast. First off, can you please tell me about how C17 Media helped fight COVID-19 through the production of face shields and other PPE? Uh, When the lockdown hit in March, um, I think we're like a lot of other print providers. Um, A lot of our clientele sort of went quiet. Um, Some were forced into a lockdown uh, and others uh, were very cautious about budgets. Uh, So we had a lot of time on our hands and uh, I want to ensure that we could the team here uh, and employed uh, during that time. So I think in the first couple days we moved our morning meetings into virtual Zoom calls uh, as everyone was working from home and we wanted to, to keep busy. So it was easy at first to catch up on outstanding projects and internal processes but after a few days uh, that started to get a bit thin and we started to look at you know this is going to be around for a while um, what can we do so we looked at various ppe options uh, and ways to help and it seemed like face shields um, which was later followed with uh, a lot of sneeze darts and plexi barriers were the two products that uh, we were best suited uh, to produce in-house um, with our capabilities and knowledge. Can you tell me a little bit more about how you went to, about producing this PPE? I mean, we're not uh, a medical production company, so it was definitely new waters for us. We first developed a few prototypes based on what we had seen online. They looked like they were going to be sufficient, but we obviously weren't the experts in it. So we got a couple into the field. Uh, we had different nurses and doctors try them out. A lot of their feedback um, was more for fit and comfort. Um, functionality, obviously, um, was something that we relied on them for, but uh, ultimately, for functionality, we turned to Health Canada. Uh, we got our MDL uh, license there, and uh, they were the ones who, who made sure that we were following the requirements needed for it to function properly. Once we had that sorted out, it was a matter of uh, ramping up production and obviously getting them out uh, to the hospital. So. We took two paths. The first was uh, doing some donations. We set up a GoFundMe page uh, and we were basically uh, requesting donations to cover material costs. Um, And then the second was gonna try to uh, sell some to different uh, organizations out there if they needed them. We sort of dove into it uh, head first. Uh, We're a relatively smaller company um, out there in the print world and we ordered pallets and, and pallets, uh, I think we had a semi-truck full coming of different PPE supplies. Um, it was pretty scarce to get different uh, PPE films. The foam was relatively easy to source, but uh, 
uh, even the elastic band um, for the volumes that we were trying to produce was, was pretty challenging. We had ordered them uh, from across North America. We had uh, sold out a few uh, suppliers in that industry trying to get enough elastic. Um, so it was kind of a, a weird position to be in because we had invested so much in an effort to, to really keep busy and do good. Um, and, you know, there's the fear of we also don't want to take a massive financial hit if what we're producing isn't, isn't adequate. Luckily, we, we had great response. Um, we were able, our GoFundMe took off and, and we were able to donate, uh, I believe it was with 4,000 shields. Um, and as that was progressing, uh, we received a large deal from the Ontario government. Uh, at the time, uh, we actually were sort of at capacity just to produce for the, uh, the province. So we stopped the GoFundMe. Um, we obviously fulfilled uh, all the requirements there and, and more uh, from our side. But uh, we, at that time, turned our attention to the, uh, the order from, from Ontario. Um, and it was, it was a challenge because we were trying to ramp up production. Uh, we hired about 20, 25 additional staff. Um, and this was a, a time during a lockdown. So to hire people and to bring them in to do, um, you know, assembly while there's so much uncertainty um, was very challenging. Uh, we were lucky, I think, that our facility was large enough to, to space them out and, and we followed all procedures that were outlined by the province. Um, but it's, you know, I think now there's a lot of clarity well, there appears to be more clarity on, on what we need to do to stay safe. Um, but a couple of weeks into that first lockdown, it, it was very tough to understand, you know, am I providing a safe work environment? Uh, you know, is this really for the better good? There, there was a lot of, uh, I think, questions that were kind of going through uh, my head to figure out you know, how to accomplish all of that. So that took care of the, I think, the more of the labor intense part of assembly. But then there was also the cutting of the, the PT, um, and for that, we turned to our ESCO machine, which I think was, uh, to be honest, a lifesaver uh, through this uh, pandemic. Uh, we ran it for about six to seven weeks uh, straight, 24-7. And it didn't need too much retooling in the ways of uh, knives and, and, and bed uh, to, to do the, the shields. But what it did need was a way to carry the, the plastic roll. So the roll that we got was about 1,400 pounds, and the take up uh, real uh, on at least on our ESCO cannot carry that kind of weight. So uh, we had to turn to a metal, uh, metal uh, fabrication shop to kind of engineer uh, a device as a, a take-up wheel that would that would work. As much as this was so much to happen, I think we kind of went from an initial prototype and idea to producing live orders. I think we did that in, in something like six or seven days. Um, so this was all done incredibly fast while you know, trying to figure out who's open, who's not open, and, and obviously the challenges that we still had a business that we couldn't just turn away from, right? We had our, our print clients, although they were few and far between at the time uh, with orders, um, that, that's our core business and we, we couldn't walk away from that either. So you know, there, there was a lot of uh, a lot of challenges presented during that time. To go back to the retooling of the machinery, were there any specific processes that you followed to do this? Uh, we first reached out to to our vendors uh, with ESCO. Um, you know, we sort of assumed there'd be something out that we could purchase. I believe they actually don't have anything, period, but they definitely didn't have anything that we could get within, you know, our timeline was hours or, 
or a day at most, um, and there was nothing in Canada at the time. So we initially had a couple engineers come by. Uh, we did a mock-up of the take-up wheel, figure out weight, and obviously the way the ESCO table works is it, it uses little suction cups essentially to grab the roll and pull it forward across the bed. So we had to make sure that this 1,200-pound roll had, you know, was not only supported by its weight to, to not fall on the floor, but also it could spin so that the, the, the machine could actually pull the roll across the bed uh, efficiently. So it was an easier task, I think, than we, we thought it was going to be uh, once we, we hired the right minds to kind of go through that. Um, but, I mean, they did look at us a little, a little funny when we said we want this done in, by the afternoon. I think what was amazing through this is, you know, whether we turn to people to, to help donate or, or to come to assemble uh, or the metal fab shop to build a take of wheel, you know, everyone was kind of into this together and everyone wanted to do their part. Um, so it, it was incredible how much people were willing to lend a hand to, to get it done. Um, and I, you know, I think we're, our team is incredibly thankful for that. What was the process you followed in organizing the donations and where was the PPE donated? So the majority of it went to South Lake Hospital uh, up in Newmarket. And the reason for that was, uh, you know, one of the, when this all started and we decided to do face shields, uh, I have a close friend who's a doctor uh, in the ER room uh, up in uh, South Lake. So I reached out to him and said, this is our plan. Uh, this is what we want to produce. What is your take on it? Like, what is it actually like uh, in the hospitals and, and how much is this actually needed? And, um, you know, for those of you guys that have friends that are doctors, especially in the ER department, they work crazy hours, um, long shifts. So I'm, I'm used to seeing him a little bit uh, tired and, and exhausted, but I had never kind of, it was almost like a sound of defeat in his voice about what they were up against. Um, I mean, he had, I can't remember the amount of hours he had put in in the, in the weeks leading up to this, but, you know, he said they were being asked at the time to reuse PPE um, that was meant for, you know, one per patient and now they were being asked to keep it for, for multiple days on end. And, uh, you know, when you, had that on top of the fear of obviously being exposed to the virus and the long hours. He just had a lot of fear and sort of defeat in his, in his, uh, in his voice and, and was super grateful if we could do anything to help donate. So, so we chose South Lake as our primary donation spot, but we also allowed people to pick where they want to donate. So what we did is we set up a GoFundMe page and it was uh, a couple dollars to, to donate a face shield, which went to South Lake. However, you could also do a larger donation or a corporate donation uh, and then that, if you did one of those, you could actually designate um, where they went. And, and we reserved it, uh, retirement homes, uh, nursing homes, uh, hospitals and stuff like that. It, it couldn't, the donations unfortunately couldn't go to a just regular business. This, this was at the time catered towards uh, all the frontline workers. And what we had done as well at the time was to try to, I guess, cheer people up a little bit um, is on our on our face shields, instead of the typical, I think the ones that everyone's used to seeing, it's just a blue background and it says I think, face shield in, in white letters on the top. Uh, we printed a red and black uh, plaid background, um, which I think for us was just a, a little symbol of, of Canadian. Um, and then we put stay strong on it. Uh, we're in this together, uh, printed on it instead of the word face shield. Um, just so a way that, you know, when someone comes up to a patient fully covered head to toe, um, at least there's a little bit of color in this. Uh, you know, I, it's not much, but it's, it's a little bit of uh, make you smile, hopefully. What was the community response you received? Uh, incredible. Um, I think 
you know, when we started the GoFundMe, we were expecting, you know, a very small uh, donation to cover some costs and, and we were going to sort of just uh, spend some of our other time and donate uh, out of pocket. And it ramped up uh, very fast. I mean, it was from different suppliers in, in the print industry. They donated. Uh, a lot of our customers did. Um, even neighbors uh, around my house um, wanted to join in and help. Um, and then when we kind of put the word out there saying, you know, listen, we're, we're hiring, um, there was also the fear of how are we going to get people to come into work during during a pandemic. And it was it was very easy. I mean, we had people that wanted to donate their time and, and not even get paid. Uh, we ended up paying everyone. But, um, you know, to, to hear people say, you know, we'll come in, we'll produce this at no charge and, you know, expose ourselves potentially to, to what's going on um, was great. And uh, recently we've heard out, we got uh, word from our local MPP, Daisy Way, uh, and Doug Ford, who reached out and gave us a certificate uh, to sort of, uh, I guess, honor uh, what we've done and thank us for that. So um, it, it's, been, it's been incredible. Congratulations. Thank you. Did you encounter any challenges while you were producing the PPE? Um, I think that, you know, aside from trying to get it done incredibly quick and get everything set up very fast, uh, I think the biggest challenge was uh, sourcing materials. Um, so we primarily use three materials. We use the, the PT uh, plastic um, clear shield. We use a foam headband uh, support. And then we used a elastic, a knitted elastic that kind of wrapped around your, your head. The foam, we found a supplier in Vaughan um, that we've worked with in the past, and that was relatively easy. But the other two items were, were a pretty big challenge. Uh, we had someone dedicated for about four or five days full time just calling elastic places in, in the sewing industry. I mean, it's not an industry that we really have many contacts in. Um, so this was a lot of sort of Google searching. And, you know, at the time, that was an industry that was not considered essential. So uh, they were closed. So, you know, while some were open and, and we could buy, others were closed. And, and it was a challenge to kind of get them to sit, realize, oh, wait, this is actually going to PPE. Um, let's go back to the factory or the warehouse or whatever it might be um, and, and process these orders. The clear was also a bit of a challenge. I, I don't know, I believe some other suppliers that were doing similar face shields were able located in Canada. Uh, we weren't. Uh, we went to, I believe this is a supplier in North Carolina and uh, we ordered from there. So there was a little bit of a challenge, I want to say, getting it up and across the border. Um, this was at the same time that there was some debate about 3M getting some uh, PPE across the border into Canada. And I don't know if it was associated with that, but I know that a lot of our roles got stuck at the border for longer than normal. Um, but everything made it through and, and, you know, at the end of the day, it, it all worked out. Thank you so much for joining us today. No problem. Thanks for having me on. And uh, I'd just like to offer you another congratulations again on your award win and for taking the initiative and innovating to help your community and the country in the fight against COVID-19. I appreciate it. Thank you. Please subscribe to Print Action's e-newsletter to be notified every time a new podcast is uploaded. I'm Kavita Severwal-Chomiak. Thank you for tuning in to the Champions of Print podcast series. See you next time. Champions of Print is sponsored by Spicers. Spicers is a leading distributor of printing papers, specialty products, graphic solutions, sign and display media and equipment, and industrial packaging supplies. Partnering with trusted global manufacturers, 
Spicer sources, stocks, markets, and distributes a diverse range of quality products.